Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of SwiftCast. This is Adam. Ashley. And Steph. Before we get right into the episode, we want to give you a quick reminder or announcement that we also have a special edition episode that you can look for. It is all about the VMAs, and it is with our friends Tim and Carson from the I Heard That Was Good podcast. So be on the lookout for that episode as well. But to kick things off with this episode, episode 122, we just watched the Wildest Dreams music video, and then we saw the kickoff of the VMAs, and I don't know, I might have to check. Ashley, Steph, are you guys still there? Are you still alive? I was much more surprised at Taylor's appearance with Nikki at the beginning of the award show than I was at the music video. The video, while I liked it, is not my favorite of this album. Yeah, I would have to agree. I thought the video was very visually stunning and the scenery and the backgrounds and all the the visuals were really cool. It was obviously a retro video. I agree with you. I liked it, but at the same time, it was just all right. I just don't think it lived up to Bad Blood or Blank Space if you are comparing them. So I guess the, the plot of the video is Taylor and Scott Eastwood are co-stars on a movie that they're filming in the African jungle, basically. And then they have a romance, and then they split apart, and then they see each other again later when the movie premieres, right? That seems about right. I was a little confused at where they were going with the storyline up until it got to that part at the end. Yeah, I was a little bit too, and just... Some of the actions that they did, you know, her and the guy, it kind of reminded me of some of the scenes in the Love Story video. Did you guys see that at all? It reminded me of a lot of different things. There was one shot where I guess the two of them were arguing and she sort of pushed him. It almost seemed like it came right out of the Blank Space video. Yes, where she got upset. Mm -hmm. It seemed like the exact same shot to me. And then also the part at the end where... She walks into the movie theater and sees him with another woman. The look on her face in that part, I felt like it could have been back to You Belong With Me. Some parts also reminded me of mine. The street scene in mine when she runs out. And the long yellow dress reminded me of Begin Again. The purple dress. Yeah, you're right. There's definitely a lot of different comparisons to make. One thing we weren't sure about, and maybe we'll find out in the coming days, is whether or not this was actually filmed in Africa or if those were some, you know, pre-shot scenes that they superimposed her with a green screen or something like that into. Uh, I don't think we really know. We know that Joseph Kahn did something in Africa, but we don't know if she was actually there with him. I think I need to watch it again to really form an impression. I only saw it once and it was so fast and I need to see it at least a few more times, but really, it kind of like we said, how it reminds us of other things, it reminds me a lot of the lucky one. The costumes and sort of the premise of the video. Even though the lucky one isn't about a relationship, it just seems like old Hollywood. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to watching it again as well and seeing what more I can take out of it. And... At some point in the near future, we will most likely have an episode 
uh, where our main discussion is dissecting this video more, having a more in-depth discussion about it. Yeah, I definitely feel like I need to watch it again, and I'm sure that all of our hosts have a lot of things to say about it. So we watched the video, and then it ended, and then the VMAs started, and Nicki Minaj opened the VMAs. And we were just watching it thinking, you know, oh, Nicki Minaj performing, okay. And then we got quite a surprise. I don't really remember. It happened so fast. I think, did Taylor come out from underneath the stage, from the floor? I'm not sh actually sure. She just sort of appeared. Yeah, I, I missed it because, quite honestly, I wasn't too impressed with the whole Nicki performance. So I was just looking away at that point. It was crazy. I just... My jaw dropped to the floor. So they sang the end of Nikki's song, The Night is Still Young, and then it stopped, and then we thought that was it. But then, Bad Blood comes on. Well, then I I felt deceived, because I was, like, really excited for a full performance of it, and then it was only one verse. It was. It was about 20 seconds worth. It was pretty short. When Taylor was introducing the music video before the show started, it seemed like she's definitely sick right now. Yeah, I read that that's why she had to skip Loft. In San Diego? Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely a shock. It was a very well-kept secret because I don't think anybody saw that coming or anybody really even predicted it. But yeah, it was pretty cool. I'm sure that will be talked about all over the place for a long time. Oh yeah, and as Adam mentioned, we're recording this as the VMAs are airing. And so who knows, if Taylor wins, maybe she will invite Nikki up on stage with her. By the time this episode is released, you'll know. But either way, people will be talking about it. And also, as Adam mentioned, be sure to listen to our VMA episode with our friends from I Heard That Was Good. But for now, let's move into our fun segment, looking back at older tweets. Our first one is from August 29th, 2010. Taylor tweeted, Went to go buy a coffee maker. Saw another 13, took it as a sign that I purchased the right coffee maker. Her and her 13s. Did you guys see that picture that uh, Omi posted? And it was in her plane, and you could see on like the headrest of the seats, there was a 13 like imprinted onto it. I'm sure that that's her special seat that she always sits in. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Our next one is from September 2nd, 2011. And Taylor tweeted, I did an interview with YouTube today, and it was a lovely chat. This was a long time ago, but it was a good video. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it now. Our next one is from August 30th, 2012. Fun facts about the We Are Never music video. It's all in one take, shot with one camera, five costume changes, and woodland creatures. Didn't she say it took maybe 17 times to get it all? Done. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was somewhere around there. Yeah, I'm sure it took many, many takes, but it's cool to go back once you know that fact and look at it, and you can definitely tell the camera never switches cuts. It's just one continuous take. It just moves around to different places on the stage and whatnot, and that must have been pretty cool to do. Later that day, on also August 30th, 2012, Taylor tweeted, just ate like seven of those mini Milky Way bars and am currently refusing to admit it's the same as eating a big one. It is not the same. I think we all do that. Especially the Halloween candy is already out, of course. Why wouldn't it be in August? And <laughs> so a lot of people will struggle with this in the next few months. 
Then, on August 30th, 2013, Taylor tweeted, We're off to a great start in Portland, where I've just been given these donuts as a gift. And it was a photo of these donuts that were shaped like the moon men for the VMA award. And there were also some cats as donuts. Well, that's all for our older tweets this episode. And let's move right into the update of everything that happened at the LA shows with Keeping Up with Swift. So last episode, you heard about LA night one and two. And this episode, we will recap for you nights three, four, and five. Kicking it off was night three on August 24th. And there were three different surprises. Well, four if you count the secret song. First, the first special guest was Natalie Maines, who is from the Dixie Chicks, and they sang Goodbye Earl. Next was the guest for Style, which was Ellen DeGeneres. And I think, Ashley, you predicted that maybe a couple weeks ago, right? I would have been very surprised if she was not there. And she surprised Taylor by wearing an outfit that kind of looks like her style outfit for the tour. And it was pretty (laughs) funny. And then there was a second special guest, and it was Alanis Morissette. And they sang You Oughta Know. That performance, I just, when I woke up in the morning, I was so upset I wasn't there. It seemed amazing. And lastly, for that show, the secret song was 15. I thought all the surprises for this show were exciting. Taylor has always talked about the Dixie Chicks inspiring her. And when she was a kid, she sang Goodbye Earl in karaoke bars and talent shows. And so even though Goodbye Earl might not be a well-known Dixie Chicks song, I thought it was cool because the song means something to her, kind of like Doubt does, the Mary J. Blige song that she did. So she's not just necessarily picking the most popular songs to perform, which is exciting. Ellen, of course, was always amazing. She's hilarious. And I actually stayed up and I went to bed right after that. I thought all the surprises were over. And then I woke up and saw that Alanis came out and I was bummed, like Ashley said, about missing that. Really, if you think back to the 90s, Jagged Little Pill was such a huge, huge album And I really don't think we've had an album like Jagged Little Pill until 1989. Really, they're very similar in just the respect that everybody has it. Everybody knows all the songs on both of those albums. And I think I even had the cassette. It was that long ago. But Alanis is just a songwriter like Taylor, and she was and still is a groundbreaking artist, so similarities between them are really cool and it it was just crazy such an exciting guest to have and i read this week that alanis is re-releasing that album coming up in a few months wow so i'm sure that all the attention from this performance definitely will help with that album release too then for night four of la on august 25th Taylor brought out her first guest, which was Beck and St. Vincent. They sang the song Dreams all together. And then the secret song was You Are In Love, which we hadn't seen in a while. And then 
later, towards the end, she brought out another guest, John Legend, and they sang All of Me, which I guess Taylor said was a very last-minute decision to add that to the show. Yeah, I think she said she saw on social media that John and his wife Chrissy were attending, so she called Chrissy and asked if John would perform with her. And I thought that the performance of Dreams with Beck and St. Vincent was awesome. I love that song, and a lot of people, as we found out last year at the Grammys, didn't really know who Beck was, but I feel (laughs) like he's becoming more mainstream, and that song is really popular on a radio station that I listen to, and uh, it was cool to see Taylor and him perform it. So is Dreams a new song from Beck? I believe so, Mm mm-hmm. Ah. I know Beck from Loser. I'm a loser baby, so why don't you kill me? Mm-hmm. I think everybody has to know that song. Maybe they don't realize it's from Beck. But he definitely, like Adam said, after the Grammys, is getting more recognition. And he was, I think, at the show on the 24th. He was in the audience. And I think people thought maybe he would show up on stage, but it wasn't until the next night. And I was glad to see You Are In Love return, um, just because I... Love that from an audience perspective, how you get the how you get to echo Taylor's words, and it just sounds so cool. It was also weird seeing somebody else sitting at the Wildest Dreams piano. It was, because that was the first person to do that, right? Yeah. Again, that night I went to bed earlier. It's hard being not in the same time zone as Taylor. So I went to bed, and the next morning I woke up and saw all these photos of John on the Water streams piano. It's weird. But that's such a huge, huge song, so it's cool that they performed it together. Then the last night of the LA shows, I think, probably killed everybody. If you weren't already dead yet, it was just insane. Taylor kept saying the whole time that she had all these great surprises lined up. She said epic surprises, and she was not kidding. The first surprise of the night was Selena Gomez came out for Good For You. It was the first time Selena ever performed this song live. Then, crazy, crazy, crazy surprise was next. Lisa Kudrow, who plays Phoebe Buffay on Friends, came out. And she and Taylor sang Smelly Cat, which if you're a Friends fan, you'll know exactly what song that is. And if you're not a Friends fan, you probably know by now what the song is. But that was insane and just so surprising. And then the secret song was Mean. And then the final surprise of the night was when Justin Timberlake came out and he and Taylor sang Mirrors and the whole place seemed to go completely insane. This was the first time Justin has performed since he became a dad. So Taylor had everybody coming out for first time sort of performances that night and I actually stayed awake all night for this because I had to see what happened I paid for it the next day but it was so exciting and I was so bummed I wasn't there I just still can't even believe that all that happened I think we kind of heard rumors on social media that Selena and Justin were there I think people heard soundcheck and that's when people started posting. That's what I was confused about because we haven't heard any soundcheck stuff leak for any of the recent shows until that day. Yeah, it was odd. 
And we had been hearing, I feel like, for every show that Selena was going to be the surprise guest. Yeah. It's like another day, another rumor that Selena will show up. But here she did. So if you guys could pick only one night out of all the five LA shows to go to, which one would you have done? Would it have been the last one? Wow. Yeah, I would pick the last one only, and maybe people won't like this opinion, but I would pick it only because I want to hear Smelly Cat. I said on the last episode, I'm such a big fan of Friends, and when you see your favorites collide like that, it's a wonderful thing. So to see that, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. That's never probably ever going to happen again. And it's something that everybody said, I didn't realize how much I needed this in my life until it actually happened. It's a perfect example. I didn't realize I needed that, but I really did. I needed to see that live. I would have been torn between that show and the first night. With Ryan Tedder? Yeah. And All Too Well. And All Too Well. Yeah. I totally agree. First night because of uh, Counting Stars and All Too Well. And the banner was so good. Yeah, and Kobe Bryant and the banner, yeah. But I really think she outdid herself with the LA shows this time. She always does. She's going to need to have two guests at every show for the rest of the tour now because the bar is so high. Well, no matter what, the LA dates definitely confirm what we've been saying all along, that if you haven't gone to an LA show, you absolutely need to. It's on my list for the next tour. Well, Taylor moved on from Los Angeles and went south to San Diego to play at Petco Park on August 29th. And once again, she had two special guests. The first one was Omi, and they sang the popular song Cheerleader. And the second one was really surprising to a lot of people, myself included, when she brought out Avril Lavigne to sing her very first hit, which was Complicated. I guess I wasn't really as surprised as other people because... So what happened earlier this week was there was a post on Tumblr of sort of a comparison between Taylor's meet and greets with other stars' meet and greets. And it had people like Kanye West, Avril Lavigne, Britney Spears, and I think one other person. I can't remember who at the moment. But... In those photos of the other celebrities, they were standing really far away f- from the fans. Oh, I remember. The last one was Katy Perry um, because she was slow dancing with a fan and she was standing really far away. Um, and then below that, it in contrast, it showed Taylor with her fans just hugging them and you know kissing them, everything that she does. And Taylor liked the post and of course that caused a big controversy doesn't matter what she does what she likes what she says always causes problems so an avril lavigne twitter page posted about this and avril lavigne saw it and she made a post pretty much saying people shouldn't be judgmental something to that effect. And then shortly after that, Taylor followed Avril. So I kind of wondered, it was one of those moments again where I wish I could see what Taylor DMs people. But so I knew that she was contacting Avril and I kind of wondered if Avril would end up showing up to perform at some point and then she did. It was cool. I liked that song when I was younger. I don't really feel that Taylor needed to have her come out just 
I guess, to make up for what had happened on social media. But that's who she is and that's what she does. So it was cool. Yeah, I do agree. I think she probably added Avril only because of what happened. She probably never planned to have her on tour. But Avril's another good songwriter, kind of like Alanis. And it was cool to see them together. And finally for that show... An awesome secret song, personal favorite of mine. It was Fearless. Woohoo! That's a good one. Bad one to miss, though. Wish I could have seen that. Well, in other exciting news, Ellen's 13th season is premiering in September, on September 8th, and Taylor will be featured somewhere during that week. I don't think we really know the details yet. Yeah, I haven't heard any details either, but I'm sure for Ellen's kickoff week, She'll want Taylor, and it looks like she got her, and Taylor will make it work between all of her show's schedule. I was kind of wondering if maybe it's something they taped while she was in L.A. for the shows, and it will just be shown at some point. But it would be cool if she figured out a way to, in between the shows, go to Ellen. In other really exciting news, 1989 has officially sold over 8 million copies worldwide. That's a lot of copies. That is a lot. Well, Billboard released a little article giving predictions for Grammy nominations, and we were all very pleased to see that they predict Taylor will get a Song of the Year for Blank Space nomination and an Album of the Year nomination for 1989. I think they will be right. And I think if 1989 does not win Album of the Year, there are huge problems with the world. I actually read something that said they predict that both 1989 and Kendrick Lamar's album will be up for album of the year, so they'll be going head-to-head. That would be fun. At least if he did beat Taylor, she would be happy. But I just think if you look at the number of sales, the impact this album has had, it would just be a crime if it doesn't win album of the year. It's likely going to be the top-selling album of 2015 it was already the top selling album it could be the top selling one of 2016 at the rate that we're going it could be yeah especially if it wins album of the year it will have a jump in sales from that although if taylor keeps up the same schedule and releases album six in october that probably (laughs) will have the highest sales for 2016 which would be nice three years in a row of having (laughs) the top selling album But we'll see what happens. Well, our last piece of news is, as of right now, the VMA pre-show is still going on, and Taylor already took home a Moon Man. Blank Space won the best pop video. All right. I can't wait to see all of her other awards. Well, Taylor has a busy schedule with the 1989 tour. On September 4th, she will be in Salt Lake City, Utah, at the Energy Solutions Arena. Then the next day, Saturday and Sunday, September 5th and 6th, she'll be in Denver, Colorado at the Pepsi Center. And then on September 9th, Taylor will be in Houston, Texas at the Minute Maid Park. So it'll be interesting to see if now that the tour is starting to move back into the venue portion because it's sadly becoming fall and she's not going to have as many outdoor shows it'll be interesting to see if the surprises sort of end or what happens 
for now, let's move into our mini segments, and we have some submissions from you guys, the listeners. And we will start with one from Lavena J on Twitter, and they said, "I either want clean to be a single and music video, or just be hidden with us forever. There's no in between. Swifty problems." The next one is from Brianna Rehak. Why am I not at 1989 tour LA right now? I think we were all asking that question. The next one is from at Swifties Royal. Taylor never coming to my country. That is a big Swifty problem. Our next one is from Jess Tressler. And she said, the fact that I can't find any tickets to the Nashville show. That is tough. I remember just looking randomly and they're so expensive. They are. I think it's because last time had three shows in Nashville and this time she only has two. And our last Swifty problem is from... Ariadna Garcia 16 and this one was funny she said my camera roll is full of zebras (laughs) obviously referring to the wildest dreams video there I think zebras were probably trending on Twitter all week well thank you for all those submissions and if you would like to have your submission read send us a tweet or get in contact with us with your Swifty problems and we will read them next week for now we're going to move on to fashion and normally we're looking at some of the outfits that Taylor wears during pre-show meet and greets and Loft 89s and whenever she's spotted out by the paparazzi. But this week with the VMAs happening, we wanted to go back and look at some of her past looks and outfits from previous years that she went. Well, I guess first of all, what do you guys think of tonight's outfit now that we've seen it? It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite either. I've seen a lot of people, and this isn't my own thought, but I agree with it. I've seen some people on social media saying, you know, why can't she just wear a dress like she used to? And I guess maybe dresses are more, you know, speak now era, maybe red era still. I don't know. It just seems like she has completely moved away from wearing dresses to these more extravagant outfits. Well, the VMAs is the one place to do that if you're going to do it. You're right, because she'll always wear a dress to the Grammys and something that, you know, is elegant and gorgeous. Um, This award show is a little bit more creative and out there, if you will. So I guess the best way I can describe this year's is a long sleeve, multicolored crop top and matching pants with the sequins. And it seems like sort of a houndstooth pattern, I think, but not your typical black and white pattern. Multicolored instead. And a lot of people notice that she seems to be kind of made up to look like Catastrophe from the Bad Blood video, and she has a lot of her friends from the video with her. Yes, her hairstyle looks exactly like Catastrophe. Yeah, and the makeup. That makes sense. I'm not really sure how I feel about this outfit, but I think I like it more than last year's. It's not my least favorite outfit, but it's not my favorite. So last year, she had basically that long sleeve leotard with random letters all over it. I still don't really get that one. I liked the blue color, though. I do like the color. It's funny. A lot of times when I first see Taylor in an outfit, and maybe it's a little different, I don't like it. But then after I see it, it grows on me. And the first time I saw last year's VMA photo, I didn't like it at all. But now I kind of like it. Taylor has that effect. I don't know how to explain it. What did you think of last year's outfit, Adam? I thought it was very different. It was very 
kind of out there, as you would say, it fit the style of the VMA as well, because people, you know, take risks at this show with what they do, what they wear, uh, what they do, hint, hint, Kanye West back in 2009. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I and I have to say, I didn't really like her hair in 2014. I don't know, it just seemed kind of messy to me. Hmm. It definitely, VMA was, was the biggest, I guess, riskiest sort of different outfit she ever had. And at that point, we knew 1989 was coming, but we didn't know anything about the album other than Shake It Off. So it's funny to think back at that point in time how we really had no idea what was coming to us. Well, I think the year before, 2013 probably was my favorite outfit. Taylor looked like she stepped out of the 1950s or something. She had a lot of comparisons to Grace Kelly, I think. She had her hair short and curly, sort of 50s style. And she wore this gorgeous blue gown, which, like we said, is sort of abnormal for the VMAs. Most people don't wear gowns there. But it was blue and it was sparkly. And it had a deep cut in the front, but it was modest. It wasn't It wasn't too much like some people may do at the VMAs. She just looked very classy and elegant. Yeah, I like that look too. It looked like it could have been out of the music video for The Lucky One, if there was a music video for that song. Yeah, that would have been a good look for a music video for that. I think in 2013, the hardest part for me to process was the hair. Really? You didn't like it? I didn't dislike it, but it was just so different. Keep in mind, this is before we ever even saw her with short hair. True. It was like she was trying to prepare us. I liked 2013, though, overall. Was that your favorite? I don't know that I really have a favorite. I honestly like what she's worn to other award shows a lot more than what she's worn to the VMAs. I'm kind of in the same boat, but I still would go with 2013. Yeah, I guess I would, too. How about you, Adam? Which one's your favorite? I might have to go all the way back to the very first one. Was that 2008? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it was just a very simple dress, you know, the fearless era, the long, curly, blonde hair dress, and it was just very simple, and I don't know, I think I like that one best. That was a good one. I think that was the year she might have been doing interviews on the red carpet. I didn't really care for 2009, 10, or 12 very much. 2009 was the one uh, when Kanye stole the mic, right? Right, the one-shouldered, sparkly, silver dress, long, yeah. to the floor. Yeah, that wasn't my favorite either, and I feel like, obviously, we see it everywhere because of what happened that night. But then looking at uh, 2010, like we were just talking about with the short hair, she had short hair in 2010 as well. And in 2010, she did not appear on the red carpet so the only photo we have is when she actually performed Innocent on stage. And the performance was cool because it was very vintage. It had a lot of furniture that reminds you of an anthropology store or something. And her hair was kind of similar to 2013, sort of 50s, curly, short. And her dress kind of reminds me of 2008, just a simple cream-colored dress that's strapless. And she also, what was memorable about that performance was she performed barefoot on stage. I do remember that. Barefoot, yeah. 
And at that point, we knew Speak Now was coming, but we never heard Innocent. It was the first time. And on the screens, some of the lyrics would appear. I remember seeing that. And then the one we haven't mentioned yet was 2012, because she skipped 2011, right? Right. And that was like a, I guess I would call it a a women's pantsuit. Is that what that's called? Yeah, a white pantsuit. It was okay. Not my favorite. I remember her talking about this pantsuit, and she said she didn't want to wear it, but her stylist convinced her to, and she was glad. It was very different. It had a plunging neck. And when you first saw it, you probably thought it wasn't covered at all, but it actually had a sheer neckline that went up for coverage. But it was kind of a daring move for her. We were, like Adam said, we were used to seeing her in all the dresses during the Fearless and Speak Now era. And this was right before Red came out. So again, I felt like she was kind of preparing people for a little bit of a transition with the Red album. I think it was important for her to wear something different because this really was when her style first started to significantly change. Yeah, she had to make a change to sort of prepare people for the music variety that Red has. Even just her having straight hair was a big change then. And the bangs, yeah. I remember in 2011... The reason she wasn't there was because she was performing one of her L.A. shows, and I think there were more celebrities at her show than at the VMAs. (laughs) That makes sense. After these L.A. shows, I saw a funny post on Tumblr, and it had all these photos of the celebrities who came. And then it had, you know, on the front of the tabloid, probably like U.S. Weekly or something, it says, stars, they're just like us. (laughs) And somebody put that, a photo of that little bubble that says stars. They're just like us and all the photos of all these people at Taylor's concert. So celebrities love her just as much as we do. Well, that will just about wrap it up for this week's episode. And we have a few reminders for everybody. Please press subscribe on iTunes and it will download the latest episode for you automatically when we release it. To get in contact with us, you can reach us on Twitter at swiftcast thirteen swiftcast13.tumblr.com instagram.com slash theswiftcast13 facebook.com slash theswiftcast you can email us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com and visit our website at swiftcast13.com and if you're wanting to go back and listen to some of our older episodes you can do that on the website because iTunes will only show the last 100 episodes So to listen to any older ones, you can find them on our website. And just as a reminder, this is episode 122, but also being released is a special episode that we just did. And it is with our friends Tim and Carson from the I Heard That Was Good podcast. And it is all about the VMAs. Not only Taylor at the VMAs, but everything that happened at the VMAs from all the performances to all the awards and everything in between. And to wrap it up for this week, next week, Taylor will do what? Wow. Well, unfortunately for Adam, Ashley and I will be seeing her this weekend. 
she may kill us and then he'll have to run the podcast all by himself <laughs> me and nate can do it yeah you and nate will be the only ones who can't come to denver so i really have no idea i hope she has some surprises in store for denver but i just don't know for arenas she might not end up doing anything but it is two nights and she only had one night there last time so that kind of makes it special and it is a holiday weekend so i have hope Either way, we should get a surprise song, so it'll be fun. 15 one night, our song the next. (laughs) I'm just excited to see the tour again. Well, I forget the exact numbers and the exact record, but I'm going to take a shot and say that the Wildest Dreams music video will beat the Bad Blood music video. I think it was the record for most views in 24 hours. Right. I think it was about... 20.9 20.9 million I think. okay so we'll see if we can do it uh by the time this episode is released uh we will have known but i'll say that it gets over 21 million views in 24 hours i'll go with 22 because that's a taylor number there you go <laughs> but that's a good guess although i hope you're right but you also have to admit this video won't have quite the star power i guess as bad blood with just with how many appearances there were although people are very very excited about scott eastwood and the fact that bad blood was so heavily promoted this one certainly wasn't up to that level we'll see i'm excited well thank you for listening everybody and remember this was episode 122 but go look for our special edition episode with tim carson as well but for now we are out of here this is adam ashley and steph See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. The theme song for SwiftCast was written and performed by Sydney and Chuck. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.